in this very instruction. Go and sin no more. And how anyone can take from this that when you become a Christian, you can live as you like. I'll never, ever understand. But that's the age in which we live. We are living today in which an age that to tell anyone that there are standards, there is a cross, there are commitments, there are, is a life to live for Christ. Many say that's legalism. And if you tell someone that they are not to do something, that you're being a legalist. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our free Presbyterian church here in Coburg. Today we come to part two of our message on Neither Do I Condemn Thee. And we have a hymn, a hymn of praise that will lift our hearts and I trust lead you to worship and to walk with the Lord today. Let's begin with our question in Psalm 11, verse 3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Biblical Christianity calls for a brotherhood of born-again believers who are united to Christ. And without a mighty revival from the throne of God, we here in Canada are losing the battle to maintain the witness of the Christian faith in this country. We need the Lord to come. What can the righteous do? Well, number one, make your own calling and election sure. Stand upon the immovable foundation of the gospel. And we need to rehearse the issues of salvation, the work of Christ on your behalf. And, of course, the Word of God speaks abundantly of what Christ has done for us. Let us never lose sight of that. Let us never run from that. Let that be our anchor. What can the righteous do? Make our own calling and election sure. Also, we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. That's the command of the Apostle Jude in his epistle, verse 21. There is the danger that you are personally swept away with the tide of unbelief that is around you. You could become so discouraged by the small numbers in the Bible-preaching churches that you think it's not working and it's not for real. Rather, this is a time to withstand the tide of wickedness in the land with personal holiness and personal perseverance. God will give his grace to keep us in the love of God. Let's depend on the keeping power of the Lord. We can also pray for help from the Lord at God's right hand. Note that the Lord is in his holy temple. Just after that question in 11 verse 3, Psalm 11 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Then comes the statement, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. He's on the throne. The Lord is right now at God's right hand. In Acts 2.33, the very result of Pentecost was ascribed to the Lord Jesus at God's right hand. And there Christ is exercising the office of prophet, priest, and king. The Lord can do either of two things and still show his power. He can sustain his church in the wilderness, a flower 
in the wilderness. Thus, each single Christian in a society with very few Christians is proof of the power of God and shows his glory in his church. A congregation of a handful of people living, worshiping, and walking in the will of God in this world is a great demonstration of his power. Here is a people that are not just blowing with the wind. Here is a people who are willing to stand up and be counted for Christ. And that's the call that comes to you and me. And I beseech you to rise and seize the challenge that you may be a faithful minister servant of the Lord. Then we can also pray that God will send revival. However, we continue to pray that the Lord will revive his church, that the Lord will shed forth his power in society and give his church a voice and a wilderness to see converts saved and redeemed by the blood of Christ. We also need to re resign to endure the trials which befall you as a Christian. It says here, the Lord trieth the righteous. He is calling us to live through this time, which is unprecedented since the Protestant Reformation. Sodomy, political correctness, social engineering, judges making the rules of our nation, government wants to control the lives of individuals. Attacks on moral purity are attacks on God's law, which is an attack on the gospel. We will not be the first people to endure hardship in society for the gospel. Civil and religious liberty is not to be taken for granted. It's not a sign, a given in so many parts of the world. There are countries in the world today where there is the, the noose strangling liberty against God's people. The world is a changing place today, and we need to pray that God will come and visit us in revival grace. We can also live under the smiling countenance of our righteous Lord. Note how the wicked are hated in verse 7 of the psalm. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. Well, there we end our look at Psalm 11. May the Lord bless you today through his word. We're turning now to our ministry and song. I am amazed that God could ever love me.
this calls, of course, for the entrance of the gospel. We need a Savior who must fulfill this work of satisfying the law. And here is the whole plan of redemption, the whole plan of Calvary, the whole mission of Jesus, the one whose name is Savior. And of course, he has found a way. And the plan of redemption is that God sent his Son to be a substitute to die in our place. And as we go to Calvary, we see God's wrath poured out upon the innocent one, upon the just one, the just for or in the place of the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And we know in the account of uh, the Gospels and in Romans that God poured out the full measure of his fury upon his own Son, and judgment is meted out so that the believer in the Lord Jesus may go free. The law is upheld. Justice is done. Moses' law in all its demands are met. And when the Lord Jesus interposes, there is perfect life. It's a wonderful thing to be saved according to justice. Uh, some people cut that strange. Some people think that just all leads us to legalism. No, it doesn't. That is the greatest liberty. If you are going to prison for some crime and you have paid your time in jail and you are set free after paying that uh, time in prison, doing your debt to society, then you cannot be rearrested according to justice and put back to pay more time. You are justly released. And likewise, when the Lord Jesus took our place and paid the penalty for sin in full, God cannot payment twice demand. We are set free. Now that brings me to the silencing of all this woman's accusers. Now, through one statement, the Lord delivered this woman from every accuser. We're back here to verse 7 in this passage, and it is, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And the Lord again stooped down to write. And here is the power of the Lord Jesus to silence his accusers. In verse 9, we read, being convicted. 
And here we not only see the power of a man's own conscience, but we see the remarkable effect it has upon their prior claims. The Lord challenged them about sin. He didn't say this sin. He didn't say a particular sin, but he that is without sin. Not necessarily the sin of adultery, though this is at the forefront in this case. And there was another time when the Lord Jesus called this an adulterous generation. And the other thing that seems to be very strange, that while this was an act of adultery caught in the very act, there are no charges against a man. And this woman seems the prejudice of the Pharisee spirit is against this woman. I don't like the term old boys club, but it fits here. And maybe there was a protection gang to try and prevent any accusation against the man in this act of adultery. And all the focus is upon the woman. Now watch the response to this exposure of the sin in verse 9. It says, they, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. Now, can you just imagine the scene? As I depicted, they're all crowded together, this group of Pharisees rubbing shoulders, standing strong as a bunch of men in their accusations. The poor woman before them. And then they, being convicted, one by one. And you'll notice it says, at beginning at the eldest, the most senior, and the rub of conviction, the sense of the enormity of their own crime, the guilt of their own conscience, they can't take it anymore. And one walks, and the others look after him, and they look back, and another walks, and their ranks begin to thin, and they all realize before long there's only going to be one standing, and they scatter. And in that inner circle, there is only left the Lord Jesus and this woman alone. One by one, beginning at the eldest. And then verse 9 goes on to say, even unto the last. There wasn't a man standing when that deep conviction set in. And all the while, the Lord was stooping down, writing. And when the Lord looked up, there was just the woman. And all around, people observing, the Pharisees gone. And the following words are absolutely beautiful. What does the Lord say to her? Verse 10. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man. Well, what's the Lord's response going to be? He's God in the flesh. He's in agreement with the law of Moses. He is the one who lifted the bar of the law of God. He never lowered it. He never abrogated it. 
When he preached the Sermon on the Mount, he informed the people that it's not the literal acts or the deeds. It is the thought, the intent, the motive that counts. It's not the thief that puts his hand. It's the man who thinks such a thing. Or in the other case, it's not the person who actually commits adultery, but the one who perceives it in his mind and lusts. And this Lord Jesus, who preached the law and represented the law and in his own life fulfilled the law, what will he say now? He said to this woman, neither do I condemn thee. And this fits the whole mission of our Lord Jesus, because the Bible tells us, John 3, that the Lord Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save. And as you and I stand face to face with the Son of God, and as we place ourselves into His hands, what, how will He treat us? How will He judge us? He's not come to condemn us, but He's come to save us. Have you ever placed your soul in the hands of the Lord? Have you asked Him to be your Savior? Are you afraid of what He may do with you? These Pharisees had only one plan, to condemn the woman. That was not the Savior's plan and purpose. And yes, God is a God who judges. Yes, God hates sin. He's holy. Yes, there is a judgment day when all men shall stand and give account. And there is a hell for sinners where the wicked shall be turned into. But our Lord Jesus came to extend mercy. And he will save you, cleanse you, and wash you. And even if you are as sinful as this woman, or as the other girl, Mary, I can preach to you the stories of Jesus, the message of redemption, the power of the gospel that will make you right with God, that you can be saved and sure of it. And therefore, we call all men to faith in the Lord Jesus. Trust in his mission. Trust in his cross work. Trust in his blood. Trust in his promises. Trust in his love. Put yourself in his hands, and you'll be saved and saved from all sin. Now, the third part of this, the Lord demonstrated his mighty power as a Savior by saying to this woman, go and sin no more. Now, this was a, a very necessary command. Uh, we must see that his work was not to condone the evil deeds, how wrong it would be for the Lord to set this woman up for a future downfall. And the Lord did not excuse her evil doing, nor did he set her free to continue in it. The Lord never saves his people in their sin but he saves them from their sin. And the Lord demonstrated here his hatred of sin in this very instruction. Go and sin no more. And how anyone can take from this that when you become a Christian, you can live as you like. I'll never, ever understand. But that's the age in which we live. We are living today in which an age that to tell anyone that there are standards, there is a cross, there are commitments, there are, is a life to live for Christ. Many say that's legalism. 
And if you tell someone that they are not to do something, that you're being a legalist. Well, is our Lord Jesus a legalist by saying to this woman, go and sin no more? Now, it was a necessary command. It was also a general command. He didn't say to her, go and commit adultery no more. He said, go and sin no more. And if the Lord had said just adultery, it may be interpreted uh, that the sum of saving and evangelical grace is to just stay away from all the great vices of sin. And of course, repentance is not ceasing from acts of sin. If you've been in our Sunday school class this morning, or if you care to pick up the Sunday school notes, you will learn uh, that we were dealing with this, that repentance is not just dealing with particular acts of sin, but the whole sin nature of our hearts. The gospel is not just picking the dead leaves of the tree, but it is to go to the root that you might have a new heart, a new nature, and live a new life. And surely, uh, in, in this very command of our Lord, was given the power. So it's a general command, and it's a powerful command. Go and sin no more. This is the wonderful thing about the Christian gospel. It just doesn't say, go and do. It says, you go, and I'll give you the power. And it's the Lord who works in us to will and to do his pleasure. And if you trust the Lord, he not only tells you what's wrong, he gives you the power to overcome the wrong. There is grace to overcome the temptation. You see, this woman was no longer now motivated just by guilt, but she is motivated by a wonderful Savior. This woman went off, I'm sure, to tell the story of the mercy that she received. She was condemned. She was for it. Life was over. But this one called Jesus the Savior of the world. He canceled every accusation against me and sent me to sin no more. That's the testimony of the Christian, the child of God. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that? There's a little pointer here that I would like to draw your attention to. These Pharisees, when they brought this woman to the Lord, they said, Master, Master. But the woman... How did she address the Lord? She said, Lord, Lord. And when the Lord Jesus is Lord of your life, you're not only delivered from past sins, you're going to be delivered from a life of sin. You're going to get the victory, and you're going to have the grace. It's a powerful command. Would you not say, Lord, speak that word to me? Give me the victory. Make me such a Christian to go and sin no more. And then lastly, it's a personal command. There's only one person that the Lord spoke that to. Pharisees were gone. Now, there were people in the temple in the perimeter circumference of things, but this word was for her, go and sin no more. You need to realize today that the Lord Jesus in dealing with sinners doesn't deal with the world in mass. He deals with your heart. On the judgment day, you will give account for your sin, the deeds of your body, the words of your lips. And as you come to be saved, the Lord deals with you 
individually as one-to-one. -one. And he would say to you today, go and sin no more. It's for you and it's for me. Community grace, that's a, an aberrant notion that's floating around these days that if you get into the community, if you're in the group, if you're in the herd, then you will get the victory. No, you need a personal one-to-one -one relationship with the Lord Jesus. Then the grace of the gospel flows into your heart. And then you become one of the community or the church, as I prefer to call it. The Lord Jesus called out his people to the church, to the professing group of believers who are obedient to the word of God. That's the church. How do you get into the church? You must firstly come to Christ. He is the head. We are members. And so you must come to him personally, individually. No matter the depths of your sins, you can be saved. As I started out on planning to preach this today, something put the brakes on and said, Ian, don't preach that. Why would you go to a group of God-fearing, church-going people and preach a word like this? This is the real gospel. This is where we're all at. It's not how nice we are in our Sunday suits. It's not how dignified we are on the Sabbath day. It's the state of our hearts. It's the sin that crushes and defeats. It's the shame that comes upon our hearts through our conscience that we can hardly look up. That's what this gospel saves us from. And you know what that is. You know what it is. Not always in the same dimensions or play out as we've learned of here today. The gospel is to liberate the guilty conscience, to set us free. And our Lord Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we find the victory that we've got peace with God. We can get on our knees and pray as sons of God. We can go to the fountain filled with blood and know its cleansing power. We can say, I'm justified. I'm sure of heaven. I know that I'm a child of God and that I have his favor. That's what it's about. If you have that today, rejoice. If you seek that today, don't give up. Come. Come to the Savior today. Enter in and be saved. You, be you are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. 
We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music